0: Welcome nerds, now bracing for an entertainment incursion. Rolling rockabilly track. Gearing you up with the latest in horror, video games, movies, and TV. Now downloading schematics for multi-dimensional travel watches. Nerds, this will be your finest hour. Welcome to The Amazing Nerd Show. Hey, this is
1: Christian. Hey, this is Damon. And this is The Amazing Nerd Show. All right, on this week's podcast, we've got a film review for Across the Spider-Verse. Plus, we're talking all the latest news and rumors and nerd culture.
0: And we're discussing the aftermath of AEW's Double or Nothing. And if today's episode isn't enough for you, don't forget you can get even more Amazing Nerd Show content on Patreon by subscribing to our $5 tier. Doing so, you'll gain access to our Best and Worst of the Week show. Though, if you'd like even more than that, additional bonus podcasts will be available for our tech dollar tier that includes all of the other tiers benefits as well
1: that's right christian we have over 20 best and the worst of the week episodes up and we also have better late than never reviews for things
0: like season two of the bad batch uh megan and men along with anime reviews you can find our patreon link in our show notes or simply type in patreon.com amazing nerd show But all right, with that said, let's get into the news. Every week we collect the biggest headlines and rumors of Nerdum. We're not
1: mild-mannered reporters, we're mere podcasters with opinions.
0: Warning, potential spoilers for upcoming shows and movies ahead. Check timestamps to avoid spoilers. You have been warned.
1: All right, up first, it looks like Spider-Man producers are teasing two massive Spider-Man-adjacent projects.
0: If you couldn't tell, Sony is all in on Spider-Man, and even more projects are on the way, as Amy Pascal, producer on the Across the Spider-Verse films, has confirmed Sony is working on a live-action Miles Morales and a potential animated Spider Woman film as well. This was further confirmed by producer Avi Arad, stating that the Spider-Woman flick is coming sooner than many may expect. There's no timetable right now for a live action Miles film, as it's you know in early pre-production, it seems, along with it being unclear what Spider-Woman her film would even be focusing on. You know, though, it if it's an animated one, I would have to assume that they would probably be going with a Gwen spin-off from the, you know, Into the Spider-Verse films. On top of that, Amy Pascal also mentioned that Spider-Man 4 with Tom Holland has been halted due to the current writer's strike, of course. Yeah, and you gotta
1: think that, you know, if it is a live-action Spider-Woman film, that it's probably spinning out of the events of Madame Web. Um, you know, which is coming out this year, correct? Yeah, I keep forgetting about
0: that. Yeah, because uh,
1: it's been pretty much confirmed that, you know, uh, you know there is a Spider-Woman in that film, at mm. least a Spider-Girl. Um so uh, it, if not multiple Spider, you know, women. So I mean, it just makes sense that, you know, if that film's a success, they're probably already planning ahead to do some kind of spin-off. Um exactly. and when it comes to, you know, a live-action Miles Morales film, it's like you know what's taking so fucking long my only like big question is whether or not like if he's going to be part of the mcu um you know mm-hmm. i'm wondering if that was kind of a hold up like if they could work out another deal to bring miles you know to the mcu proper because you got to figure that kevin Fockey and crew crew are going to want a piece of the miles morales pie right and i mean rightfully so he's an awesome character that also might be just like wishful thinking am i you know part just because, you know, even though Sony does great with, you know, animated Spider-Man, <laughs> uh, I just don't trust them with a live action Miles.
0: Well, that's exactly what I'm thinking. I'm like, I would rather it be in the hands of the MCU just because I yes. haven't seen a good live action, you know, Spider-Film come from them yet. No,
1: not yet. I mean, knock on wood, hopefully like Craven the Hunters like the first and, you know, mm-hmm. Madame Web surprises us all, but... I definitely have my doubts. So, yeah, I'm, I've got my fingers crossed that Kevin Foggy is going to be, you know, overseeing this project. Well, moving on to more Marvel news. It uh, looks like there's a rumor that the Punisher might be receiving his very own Disney Plus series.
0: My time to shine hello is back at it again this week with a rumor on the future of the Punisher claiming that after Jon Bernthal's return in Daredevil Born Again, he will be getting a Disney Plus series of his own. It seems very likely that if they were to continue with the Punisher, that it would probably be a, you know, a series run rather than a film, though I wouldn't complain with either because I loved, you know, Bernthal in the role. So I'm excited for more Punisher here if this is true. And as time goes on, I'm more and more excited for the Daredevil series that's still debuting sometime next year hopefully it's so strange because like in marvel comics it it feels like they're trying to like
1: distance themselves from the punisher because of all like the controversy you know surrounding the symbol and everything to the point where Mm -hmm. they just did this whole major storyline with him becoming like the leader of the hand you know getting rid of the skull logo um of course and then like they just like sent him off to another dimension um you know so a lot of the other characters in in the 616 believe Frank is dead right now. Um, we all know he'll eventually come back, but, you know, it kind of put a bow on the character, apparently. So it's funny that, like, the MCU, though, is, like, doubling down
0: on everything Frank has <laughs> I mean, maybe Feige and company think they can reclaim the symbol for the Yeah, for I mean, character. it is what it know. is.
1: I mean, I think all the controversy is ridiculous, you know, just because a you know, handful of insane people are out there, you know, thinking that they're, you know, the Punisher, um, you know, who've obviously never read the fucking comic books because exactly. the Punisher would be coming after them. I mean, pardon me gets it. I mean, it's a business and, you know, they're going to want to steer clear from any controversy. But I'm with you. Like, I'm all for a Punisher series or film. Uh, you know, John Berthnall is fantastic in the role. Um, like, I know they touched upon it in the Netflix series, but we don't even know if that's canon anymore. But Like, I'm all for them doing, like, a straight, like, Punisher origin story, you know, in a series, um... I just, I love that story. To see Frank, like, you know, start to wage his war against crime and everything like that, you know, would just be amazing.
0: Is it really a Punisher series if you don't see his family die? You know, like... Well, I don't remember. Like, when he, you know, debuts in the Daredevil uh, series, do we get, like, a flashback scene? in in his first season there's a big uh flashback like moment where we see him walking through the house and everything okay and
1: he's just like remembering what happened yeah okay Mm -hmm. i i I do remember that um see that wasn't enough for me like i want to be there (laughs) like i want them to tell that story proper Uh, you know experience like all that pain and anguish like firsthand You know, and watch him go through this like metamorphosis of becoming this, you know,
0: insane vigilante. And I also hope that they, you know, go the hard R with it, keep it as violent as it was before. I think they will. I mean,
1: Deadpool's getting an R rating. So, um, if you're gonna do the Punisher, you gotta do it right. Mm -hmm. No, I don't think it's gonna be like Punisher Warzone or anything like that, (laughs) but Yeah, I, was, I, I think they'll tell the story the right way. All right, well, up next, it looks like we have an update for the upcoming Star Wars Skeleton Crew series
0: on the wga official website the episode count for star wars the skeleton crew was listed to be eight episodes long for its first season the series stars jude law in a goonies-like adventure following a group of children trying to find their way home the series is believed to be coming out at the end of this year either in november or december i'll be honest like i keep forgetting about
1: this series Mm -hmm. especially with it being like right around the corner um i mean Eight episodes feels pretty much like the standard nowadays, you know, for all these Disney Plus series. So, Mm -hmm. you know, no big surprise here.
0: I'm guessing we'll probably get like a trailer or something in August, somewhere closer to when like Ahsoka's coming out.
1: Yeah, we haven't even got a trailer yet, right? Maybe at like San Diego, right? Oh, yeah. That feels like something they would reveal there. Well, moving on to a story that's near and dear to Christian's heart. It looks like we're getting another Resident Evil reboot.
0: In a report by Bloody Discussing, it was found out that Sudbury, Ontario had given $2 million in funds for a film production named The Umbrella Chronicles, which could be the title or working title for the next live-action Resident Evil film. As Raccoon HG, film productions um, who worked on the Resident Evil Welcome to Raccoon City film had not only received these funds, but also had filmed in this same location previously. There's been no official statement made by Sony, but it seems very likely that another Resident Evil film is on the way. The title The Umbrella Chronicles comes from the 2007 Wii game that picked up from multiple points in the Resident Evil timeline, so that doesn't really give us a clear idea of what they're going towards story-wise. And even some may wonder if this is going to be a new starting point or a sequel, as the last film did okay at the box office, considering that it came out in the middle of, you know, COVID, but it still got very middling to low reviews. However, the studio behind it are bringing in more source material than ever before in any of the previous films, So there is potential in a new franchise as long as the script is good. Dude, you are showing your true colors here,
1: man. You're such a Resident Evil, Mark. Like, usually you're so pessimistic about these reboots and shit and like, oh, well, maybe it'll be good. Get the fuck out of here. This is going to be awful. I
0: want something to be good for a change. I know you want
1: it to be good, but come on, Christian. Why would you trust
0: me? Sony has seen a new interest in video game properties, so Uh, I don't know. What happened? I mean, you, you remember what happened with the Netflix series? Yes, the Netflix series was garbage. Didn't those, it was awful. And those awful. came
1: out—the film and the Netflix series—came out like within the same like year,
0: right? Yeah, I think within eight months of each other. But they at weren't. At least they weren't by the same people. No, not at all. So <laughs> weird.
1: No synergy, huh? Yeah, no. This is gonna probably end up sucking. But you know, I guess I'll
0: hold out hope for you, Christian. All it needs is the Last of Us treatment. All right, that's all it needs. Uh-huh. <laughs> You're just oozing positivity. It's so weird. Uh
1: You're creeping me out. (laughs) Well, it looks like we got more news on the horror front. Uh, We've got an update for the upcoming Robert Eggers Nosferatu film.
0: Robert Eggers' Nosferatu apparently finished filming back on May 19th in Prague, according to its cinematographer, Jarn uh, Blaschik, who went on to actually additionally confirm that the film had been shot in color with a 19th century um, romanticism style. Though color is something easily changed in post if they do choose to release the film in black and white to emulate the original. Eggers isn't afraid to put out a black and white film, though, as we've seen with The Lighthouse. So it all comes down to his artistic and expression. The film is said to be coming next year. He also might be like emulating the uh, Herzog um,
1: Nosferatu film from the 70s. So, you know, it being black and white isn't like a must or anything like that. It could work in color. I mean, if you haven't seen that film, definitely, you know, check it out. Um, But yeah, I mean, would I prefer it to be in black and white? Maybe. I'm kind of surprised that he didn't go that route. But like you said, like that's something that they could change in post if they needed to. But I don't know why they wouldn't just shoot it that way in the first place.
0: Unless they're doing, you know, like a director's cut or some shit where they wanted to show both sides. But I don't I, know. I doubt that. That doesn't sound like Eggers. Uh-huh.
1: You know, that sounds way too <laughs> too gimmicky for him. <laughs> Well, Lastly, it sounds like there's plans for an insidious spinoff film.
0: Deadline reports that Sony is working on a time-traveling horror spinoff called Thread, an Insidious Tale. The film will star Mandy Moore, who more recently starred in the Emmy-awarded series um, This Is Us, alongside Kamal Nanjani, who recently starred in The Eternals. The film is set to be written by Jeremy Slater of Moon Knight fame. Apparently our co-stars end up using a spell to travel back in time to prevent the death of their young daughter. But, of course, horrific hijinks will ensue. No word on when this is projected to release, but we do have another Insidious film to look forward to in Patrick Wilson's directorial debut on The Red Door, coming July 7th. I mean,
1: honestly, like, I'm surprised this hasn't happened sooner. I mean, how many spin-off films has Juan done, you know, with The Conjuring Universe? So, um, I mean, Insidious has been hugely successful. Um, and it sounds like they're trying to get it back on the right track, you know, after some lackluster sequels. So, uh, yeah, it's time to milk the cash cow, right? Because there's so many things you could do with the further. Although, I mean, we kind of got that, right? A taste of that with the the, the sequels. And it wasn't good. That <laughs> was like Lewin l wasn't it? <laughs> um, I think he wrote them. I don't think he directed them. Yeah, but that doesn't mean they were any good. <laughs>
0: because they weren't. (laughs) I'm just saying outside the usual suspects of James Wan's uh, collaborators. Gotcha. And now for the nerds review of Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse. And now, our feature presentation. Who do you think you are? Really?
1: We are supposed to be the good guys.
0: Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse is directed by Joaquin Dos Santos, Kent Powers, and Justin K. Thompson, along with it being written by Phil Lord, Christopher Miller, and Dave Callaham and stars Shamik Moore, Haley Steinfeld, and Oscar Isaac in probably the most enjoyable film of the summer. It's insane to think that Into the Spider-Verse came out in 2018, but here we are finally with its sequel, and the art in this film alone is a breathtaking experience, but you add the first half of an incredible journey four miles into the mix that's well-paced and written to make the over-complicated you know, Spider-Verse not too complicated for viewers, and you get what feels like a masterpiece, especially coming from a Spider-Man fan's perspective. It was clear that there was just so much love and care put into every minute minute of this film with more Easter eggs than I could ever sit here and list off for you. Hell, my girlfriend had to point out Bagman to me three times in the film, cause there was just so many Spider-Man references being thrown at me, it was kinda hard to keep up at times. But even with all that spectacle, it was the moments that were you know, slowed down and the moments we spent with Miles and his family, along with Gwen and hers, and even Peter B. Parker taking care of his daughter. That grounded this film and gave so much more meaning and purpose to its story. And of course, in true Spider-Man fashion, it all comes down to, you know, the responsibility of his powers and the choices made to protect the ones he loves, along with what it means to be a Spider-Man. At the same time, without spoiling too much here, the origins of Miles are a major factor in this story and are definitely a different and are definitely different than, you know, in the comics. But it adds a new wrinkle to his character and separation from Peter's story as Spider-Man to give the character an identity that is not only, you know, extremely relatable to a younger generation of Spider-Man fans, but makes Miles such a standout figure in a sea of vastly different spider-beings that were shown off in this film. While this story greatly hinges on how the second one is going to play out and beyond the Spider Verse, the journey Miles went on going against the grain of everyone else, you know. St- that everyone else he's so desperately wanted to be close with still stands strong on its own and did not disappoint me beyond you know simply just wanting to see more of this film and simply didn't disappoint me beyond you know just simply wanting to see more as this film really does hit you with that hard to be continue making you want to begin you know counting the seconds until the next year's release Visually, this film is beautiful. From getting to see characters' different animations all at play at the same time to the more mellowed out sequences of Gwen where you you know, get to see the use of color to highlight their emotions during conversations. It was just truly a stunning picture deserving of being seen on the biggest screen you can find. I mean, it's hard to describe, you know, seeing Gwen, Miles, and Spider-Punk standing in on screen at the same time and all their different animations based off of their own universes playing out in a whole nother universe with its own set of rules for animation. It's wild to think what really went into making all that come out and look as good as it did but to conclude things here for my final grade i'm confident and happy to give across the spider-verse an a plus and i hope beyond the spider-verse sticks the landing as this could be the best project you know sony has produced in years let us know what you thought about the film and make sure to check out our patreon as i'll definitely be talking a little bit more of the easter eggs and surprises that happened in this film there and now a quick word from our sponsor manscaped this is
1: a public service announcement Manscaped now has beard products and is going even further with their brand new Weed Whacker 2.0. Go ahead and tell the world the leaders in below the waist grooming are traveling north of your South Pole with their revolutionary grooming products.
0: The new Weed Whacker 2.0 and their new beard line confirms they have all the best tools for your hygiene toolbox. Time for you to upgrade your game by going to manscaped.com and using our code 20nerdshow for 20% off plus free shipping. know that there's no one I trust more with my nutsack than Manscape, So
1: why not trust them with my beard also? So allow me to introduce you to the Beard Hedger Pro Kit. It's the ultimate package that makes it easier than ever to craft your signature look. It all starts with the cordless electric beard hedger. The beard hedger is tough on hair, but smooth on your face, leading to single stroke efficiency that brings satisfaction one stroke at a time, just like your mother.
0: (laughs) This waterproof cordless trimmer has a rotary wheel that gives you 20 hair cutting lengths, all with one guard. So no more messy drawers full of extra add-ons. The pro kit also comes with four dermatologist tested formulations for your post trim care. This includes Manscaped's beard shampoo and conditioner, beard oil, and beard balm to moisturize, style, and shimmer your new beard. Plus, the kit has three gifts, a beard brush, a comb, and scissors. So with a nice beard, your face is perfectly groomed, right? Wrong!
1: You need to keep an eye out for those tough-to-trim ear and nose hairs. The brand new Weed Whacker 2.0 offers improved blades and skin-safe technology with virtually no tugging. It's never been so painless to mind your manhole.
0: Now that you have your face looking great, you must try Manscaped Performance Package 4.0 for the full body grooming experience. Good news, though, the Performance Package 4.0 now comes with the Weed Whacker 2.0 and all the other below-the-waist grooming products Manscaped is known for. Your significant other will be delighted to see you covering all bases, if you know what I mean. So listeners,
1: get 20% off and free shipping with our code 20NerdShow at Manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com and make sure to use our code 20NerdShow.
0: Always use the right tools for the job with Manscaped.
1: And now it's time for Christian's
0: Corner. Before we talk some actual wrestling, let's talk AEW's upcoming game Fight Forever, which finally got into the hands of YouTubers and more who got to play a new build of the game. And there's been a lot of details that have significantly raised my interest for this title. For starters, gameplay-wise, what has been shown off looks like a, just a perfectly modernized version of WWF No Mercy. From its unique weapon play to you know the animations, it just looks like an experience that will be very similar to the older WWF title titles, and a game that'll be easy to pick up for any new player. What impressed me the most was you know, the sheer amount of wrestling movesets each wrestler seemed to have. You know, Orange Cassidy has been shown to have a completely different fighting style based on if his hands are in his pockets or not, Darby Allin has his own skateboarding combat, and MJF can beg for mercy instead of evading moves. It's these little touches that just make each wrestler feel unique and makes you want to try out the game's entire roster. In IGN's preview of the game, they gave some details about the single player mode Road to the Elite, which will have you signing on with Tony Khan for your first match at the first ever Double or Nothing pay-per-view. From there, your story is decided by branching storylines based on if you win or lose matches. Very similar to how it was in No Mercy, you'll spend time fighting matches and taking care of your chosen wrestler as you choose to either work out to gain some skill points but also lose energy before a match or by doing promos and press conferences to give yourself more momentum and energy before a match. Minigames games are also a part of the story mode as well, allowing you an additional way to earn money forever does seem to be all in on its mini games is not only can you play in single player but you can play it outside in mini games play it outside in multiplayer and after learning a little bit more about the dlc packs we're getting we'll find out that there's going to be a new mini game added with each new dlc which you can get all the dlc with the season pass that will be included in the deluxe elite edition the pre-order bonus for the game will be matt hardy um you can either get the broken or you'll be getting the matt hardy pack in general the broken and extreme versions which includes the Broken and Extreme version of Matt Hardy. But then the first DLC coming after that will be the FTR Revival Pack, which will then, you know, of course, give you Dax and Cash. Then Limitless Bunny Bundle featuring the Bunny and Keith Lee. And then there's the Hookhausen Pack that comes with, of course, both Hook and Danhausen. All of this will be at the lovely price of $79.99, of course, listed on the Sony Digital Store. I'm personally super interested in getting this as... It just looks like a good time. This is going to be you know, a different wrestling experience than we get with the typical 2K release, which wrestling fans just desperately need at this point. Like the two brands, everyone is just hoping for an alternative, and this looks to be much better than I originally expected it to be. The game releases on June 29th, so not too far away. Um, as far as streaming goes this weekend, I will not be live, however. We will be live during the upcoming week. I'm thinking we're probably going to do a couple bonus streams to make up for Saturday and Sunday being off perhaps on Tuesday and Wednesday. And then Thursday will be a live reaction for the Summer Games Festival. Then on the 10th and the 11th, we will have live reactions for the future game show and the Xbox showcase, which is also followed up by the Starfield presentation. So there's a lot you know we're covering in the upcoming week. So make sure you're following us over on Twitch as we cover all the summer of gaming announcements. And of course, we will continue on with our adventures in games like Jedi Survivor, Horizon, and um, Redfall, which I actually found out that I am enjoying a little bit more now that I've raised the difficulty. Um, that game, unfortunately, is just far too easy on normal. I can't even imagine playing it on easy. So on hard, it's a little bit more ch- of a challenge and a little bit more to get through. So I'm going to give it at least one more chance before we call it quits on Redfall. There are other games I want to get back to, and of course, as we just mentioned, AEW's coming out at the end of the month, and more, so I, there's plenty more games to check out this year. Um, like even Bolt Gun just came out for the Xbox, and I want to check that out. But whatever. Let's move on to some wrestling. The last few weeks, we've made some announcements
1: regarding the debut of AEW Saturday Night Collision starting June 17th at the United Center in Chicago, Illinois. I'm here tonight to give you a little more information about the debut of AEW Collision. I'm here to announce that AEW Collision, beginning June 17th, will feature CM Punk. All right, so last weekend was AEW's Doubler or Nothing. it's a show that's been definitely getting some mixed reviews. Uh some people are acting like the sky is falling, uh AEW fan wise. Um I didn't think it was the worst pay-per-view ever. Like I think that's a ridiculous statement. I'm sure if people mm-hmm. went back and like watched, you know, some of those pay-per-views from like the COVID era, um, they would definitely change their tune. Um, I feel like that era has been kind of romanticized at this point, um, you know, because it, it was definitely an uneven show. Um, but there's some a handful of great fucking matches there. And, I, you know, I think people hold AEW to like a higher standard than WWE. Um, there was no way that I would call this a bad pay-per-view by any means.
0: Like I didn't watch it live, so I, you know, I saw all the people's bad reviews and I was pretty shocked while I was watching. It was like, oh, this is still very enjoyable. So I was just like confused why people were flipping out so much on Yeah, the like I mean,
1: there's only a few matches that really disappointed me. Um like the Cole and Jericho match wasn't great. Um I didn't mm. think the House of Black uh you know trios match was, you know, anything special. I thought it was actually kind of boring um they just didn't have great chemistry with the acclaimed i also Mm -hmm. didn't like the lack of build to that match whatsoever it was so strange like they hinted that that's the direction they were going to but like they never got like the graphic for some reason i don't know why they were trying to like keep it in the spirit of an open challenge it's just
0: well, even, like, the commentators were confused because Taz was, like, pretty much saying, oh, but I know who the challengers are going to be. And then everyone else was like, shh, and pretty much like, I wonder who was going to be So right after bizarre. He said that. Yeah,
1: because <laughs> basically the House of Black, like, they announced that they were going to have an open challenge match on the pay-per-view. And then the mm-hmm. Incline came out on Rampage and basically said, oh, well, maybe we'll make a challenge. And then, like, I was like, why are we being coy with this? <laughs> Just promote the fucking pay-per-view with the match. Like, I don't get it. (laughs) Because, I mean, the acclaim is a huge draw for AEW. Like, they're top merch sellers, so why wouldn't you want to advertise that they're on the fucking card? It's just a bizarre choice. I don't get it. Um, Unless there was some other issue happening that That we're not privy to. I don't know. It's just weird. Um, But... We're not going to do a full, like, double or nothing review just because it's, you know, it's been almost a week at this point. So we're just going to talk the aftermath and everything that happened on Dynamite. So let's go ahead and get into it.
0: First on Dynamite, we had Moxley, Claudio, and Wheeler of the BCC going up against the Lucha Bros and Bandito. Uh,
1: now, talk about a trios match where there was great chemistry. Uh This was that. Um The BCC are just firing on all cylinders right now, um, you know, after just an amazing anarchy in the arena match, uh, which saw them go over um, in just audacious fashion, um, you know, this was a great follow up and really just helped like build momentum, um, you know, to what I'm guessing is going to end up being a blood and guts match against the elite. Um, But yeah, no, you know, both teams, you know, matched up really well. You know, they allowed the luchadors to get all their shit in and they looked pretty fucking amazing doing it. Uh, but they're also, you know, doing a great job of really kind of pushing this idea of Wheeler Yuda kind of like, you know, leveling up, if you will. Um, you know, on the pay-per-view gotcha. you had Wheeler get the pin against Moxley, and here it was the same, Wheeler got the pin. Um and uh Brian Danielson was on commentary the entire time, really kind of like building Wheeler up, really talking about how, like, a couple of weeks beforehand um, with their match against uh, the Lucha Brothers, how Wheeler really kind of like shit the bed. And that, you know, Brian basically tur- took him to like the learning tree and, and you know, really, you know, started to like, you know, up his training, and everything like that. He said he was having him do like bridges at Red Rocks and shit like that. There was even like a social media <laughs> post. Um, so it actually did happen. Um, but, you know, it feels like we're probably going to be getting like an Omega um, Wheeler singles match um, in the near future, like probably before Blood and Guts. Um, which I'm totally cool with, um, on the other, you know, team side of things, you know, with, you know, all the luchadors, I I want them to start winning, like, fucking, you know, AEW has such a huge crop of, like, amazing luchadors, and they really need to start, like, like, they give them a spotlight, but I feel like they're just used to kind of enhance other talents,
0: you know, Mm -hmm. and that feels
1: like something like WWE would be doing, so I want to see them kind of, like, chalking up some wins, you know, especially, like, you know, you know, someone like Bandito, um, who, who, you know, got over in this match, but they still ended up losing, you know, the long time oh, I hear you. So, but, you know, now with Collision and everything like that, hopefully we're going to see, like, bigger storylines and bigger pushes, you know, for, you know, these amazing talents.
0: I do feel like it's been a while since, like, the Lucha Brothers, you know, won anything since, you know, their title well, it, run, really. You know, they are the roh tag champions and they're
1: getting pushes on Mm. roh but (laughs) when it comes to dynamite it just seems like you know they're just used for spectacle reasons you know Mm. and to put other you know wrestlers over um i mean they did have a pretty epic like trios you know reign um they only really faced off against the elite that entire time. Yeah, one team. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I mean they did have a handful of other matches, but it was pretty I mean, they had literally seven matches against the elite. Yes. <laughs> so, um, and then they lost the titles. But yeah, no. I just I just want to see them kind of featured the right way.
0: Speaking of the elite, we had Alex Marvez backstage with the Young Bucks and Hangman. Uh this is okay. Um so
1: In the middle of this interview, the Dark Order showed up. There seems to be tension between Hangman and the Dark Order. A lot of people are kind of speculating that maybe we might be seeing a heel turn from the Dark Order. Um, All of this has been kind of teased also um, during uh, Being the Elite. Um, So if you're not watching the show, this might have gone over your head. But for weeks now, the Dark Order have been trying to contact um, Hangman uh to no avail so you know this was more playing into that storyline um uno was wearing his you know suit again and i think that was really part of you know why everyone was kind of like oh well maybe they're turning heel uno's in a suit Mm. um you know because that's how he kind of you know debuted right in the company with you know the suit and everything like that so um we'll see I, i it's time that they do something different with the dark order um but the most interesting part is Marvez talked about Kenny and how there's rumors that, you know, he went home and he's out of the country, um, perhaps in Canada, and Hangman kind of cuts him off and says, Well, he he is out of the country, but he's not in Canada, which, you know, was a big tease that he's, you know, recruiting over in Japan. Um, after the match at the pay-per-view, he got on the microphone. And said that this isn't the last of, you know, the story and that, you know, he's got a couple of friends, you know, that are going to come in and help him out. I'm paraphrasing, but it was something along those lines. So, of course, a lot of people were figuring that was probably going to be Ibushi and perhaps Okada.
0: Back in the ring, we had Tony Schiavone um, introducing Switchblade Jay White and Juice Robinson to the ring. Juice is such a fucking ham. Like... <laughs> I'm loving him, well, he's always has, I know, man.
1: but like he's just on overdrive right now, like I'm loving him more and more every week, like he's such a just a cackling sidekick. He reminds me of uh, Scud Farkas's uh toady in a Christmas story, just <laughs> you know he's just like the big mouth who won't shut the fuck up, you know, uh-huh. screaming about Ricky, um, I'm loving every second of this. I'm happy that you know they got some mic time. You know, I feel like they really got over here with their personalities. I mean, this is something that, you know, AEW hasn't done enough with, you know, Jay White. You know, like, he's barely had any time, like, on the mic whatsoever. Like, there's been a yeah. few...
0: Like, and he has such a big personality Yes, for yes,
1: it. and I think this kind of really helped, like, introduce him to, like, the AEW audience. Um, just, you know, because, like, he's, he's great on the mic, and, like you know, to sell him, like, you need to put him on the mic, I feel like, mm-hmm. um, and, you know, he he did a great job here, you know, him and Juice have great chemistry in the ring, um, but, yeah, uh, FTR came out and interrupted them, um, they teased, you know, wanting to recruit FTR into uh, Bullet Club Gold, um, they are rocking like a new updated bullet club logo which you know like we speculated on is just the bullet club logo in gold um but yeah i mean it still looks pretty fucking cool regardless that look that logo always looks great so i'm happy that they're able to Mm -hmm. wear the logo but anyway this uh confrontation with ftr all stems from the backstage incident that happened at the pay-per-view Um, You know, after the Battle Royal, which once again, you know, was actually really well done. I think it helped because they had all these ongoing storylines happening. Uh, But Ricky eliminated both Juice and Jay and then ended up getting eliminated himself. But then he did a backstage interview um, where he's, you know, looking over his shoulder intensely. And then all of a sudden, like. Of course, Juice and Jay show up and jump him again, but then FTR comes and makes the save. So during this back and forth between the two teams, all of a sudden Juice sucker punches Dax with a a fistful of roll of quarters. Um, quarters just go flying everywhere, knock stacks pretty much okay. out. And then they start beating down both members, and then Ricky comes out and makes the save. Uh, they set up a match, uh, with Ricky versus Jay next week, but both Juice and FTR are banned from ringside. I think this is pretty obvious that they're going to set up like another member of Bullet Club Gold debuting here. I don't know who that could possibly be. Um, but, you know, it seems like we're going, but it feels like we're definitely, like, headed to, like, a trios match of some sort with Ricky teaming up with FTR and against this newly formed uh, Bullet Club Gold stable.
0: Yeah, I mean, I would be disappointed if it took any more weeks to get another, you know, member in this team, especially if they're doing a whole trios angle. Yeah, yeah. Um, I could see Sean Spears joining the group. I
1: really thought that, you know, you remember he like all of a sudden showed up out of nowhere and saved Ricky, and they had a tag mm-hmm. match, and he ate the pin. um It felt like a weird storyline that went nowhere, and I thought they were setting him up to join the team then, so I could see them paying it off now here, uh, but
0: I could be completely wrong. He feels like he'd be like the Chase Owens of the Bullet Club, <laughs> <Lugler>, you know. <laughs> you know what? Chase Owens is a great wrestler and I feel like
1: Spears come on, you're not giving him enough credit. (laughs) Sean Spears has more personality than Chase Owens. I enjoyed him as like MJF's lackey. Like he plays a good lackey. So, um, Mm -hmm. yeah, no, I, I, I feel like he would fit with bullet club gold, you know, in the long run. Um, I will say, I think I'm more interested in a feud between FTR and bullet club at this point. Um, it just feels like everything with Ricky's kind of gone nowhere. Um, although, mm-hmm. speaking of which, I could see Ricky being a great member of the Bullet Club also. So, um, you know, maybe we get this weird, like, swerve and Ricky ends up joining <laughs> the team. And they've just been, like, jumping him in this entire time. and You know, like a, a weird
0: initiation. But I, at the same time, I feel like it'd be... I feel like AEW wouldn't do that. You know, I feel like they would probably just pick someone. You know who I really want to
1: see join Bullet Club? And he's got his own thing going on right now. And I'm going to, you know, give this guy his flowers later on. Fucking Swerve. I feel like Swerve is the coolest guy in wrestling right now. And I feel like he would just be fantastic in the Bullet Club and really just
0: elevate the group you know, to the next level in AEW. Everything at the end of that Battle Royal, I was like, why is he not in a bigger feud right now? Like, that's like premiered on like the show every Yeah, no, well, we'll get into it because they did feature him quite a bit Mm -hmm. this week, so. Well, uh, before we get into that, we had Tony Khan's collision announcement.
1: Yes, which was CM Punk is, you know, coming to collision. He's back. Um, This was met with a mixed reaction. Uh, now, they are in Young Buck, you know, country. It was in San Diego. So, but I, I definitely feel like if they're planning on pushing Punk as a babyface, he's going to be met with this kind of reaction in a lot of mm-hmm. different regions. So, other than Chicago. Uh, but even, like, in Chicago, I think he might get some booze. So, I'm still thinking that they might bring him back as a heel. Like, maybe we get, like, you know, a mini feud, um, you know, with him as a babyface, and then he makes the turn. Um But, yeah. I, I just, I don't know, man. It feels like it's going to be going against the grain at this point, you know, trying to keep him babyface. And, like, we've already seen that act, you know, in AEW. But let's, let's, let's exactly. see what he can do as a heel. Because, like, right now, with everything going on and all the controversy, it just feels like, it's time to strike while the iron's hot.
0: He's such a natural heel in general. Why wouldn't you want yeah, and, to do it? You and know, it's something different that
1: we haven't seen in AEW. So mm-hmm. let's, let's go. Why not? Um, play into everything that's happening. I mean, let, let let's go. Now this most likely was done to move tickets. Um, cells haven't been awful for the, the debut episode of collision, um, at the United center, but they haven't been gangbusters at all. Um, Uh, at this time it it looks like they sold maybe an extra like 500 600 tickets um you know the day after the announcement um so he definitely moved some tickets but still not as much as you know they were probably hoping for um because a lot of people thought they would just like tease this um all the way to the show like they did with you know um You know, the first dance, but but it looks like, you know, once they saw the ticket advances, they decided to go a different route. So um, it is what it is. You know, I I could understand why people were skittish about buying tickets, though, with all the controversy surrounding like, you know, will he or will he not, you know, stay with the company (laughs) recently? So I'm sure yeah. a lot of people are like, yeah, I'm going to buy this ticket and then he's going to end up like no showing or, you know, something's going to happen. This whole thing's going to just blow up in AEW's face. So, like, why should we trust, you know, this situation, which I totally get and could still happen, right?
0: <laughs> exactly. All you gotta do is just pull him from the, the new poster. Exactly. <laughs> After that, we had a triple threat match between Swerve Strickland, Big Bill and Trent Beretta. Whisper of Tricklin winning.
1: So, yeah, I mean, this kind of felt like a match for match sake at first. Um, But then I realized that these were all, I believe, the finalists of the Battle Royal. Yes.
0: Um,
1: And it it ended up basically being a number one contendership match. Uh, Because after this match, we found out that Swerve would be getting a title shot against Orange next week. Um, But, yeah, I mean, it was a fun match. Uh, like I said before, Swerve, band, he's just operating on a next level now. Um, I really, you know, see big things for him in the future. I'm still not a huge fan of his stable. Um, mm-hmm. It just, I don't know, it doesn't feel like a great fit for him. But that might just be me, also just fantasy booking him with the Bullet Club. So, which well, just like be my... all his
0: mogul stuff fits with the Bullet Club too. You know, yes. like it would all work.
1: Yes, where like him and the embassy. Just I don't know, man. It just feels like they're really like trying to shoehorn him in with you know some you know kind of stable. But I don't know, like because we know that wasn't the original plan. Yeah, <laughs> you know, for him also, uh, but like. You know, the other two guys that, you know, they originally had him with just didn't work out uh, to the point where I can't even remember their names at this, you know, <laughs> at, at this junction. So, um, but yeah, I mean, it, it's definitely better than what they originally had mm-hmm. him doing, but Brian Cage is fine as muscle, I guess. And I could see Brian Cage working in the Bullet Club, honestly, it'd be something for him to do, but like the other two guys, it just, I don't know, like visually like I see them all together and it's like it this doesn't make any sense to me. <laughs> um especially like Prince Nana or whatever the fuck his name is. Uh-huh. So I still don't get that guy and what he's all about, but it is what it is. Uh, but like this like I said this match was great. Um you know, I don't feel like anyone was hurt by losing this match also. Like I feel like Trent who's kind of a 50/50 guy, like he he could lose and he'll be all right. And he ate the pin and big bill. He looked like a monster in this match. So hopefully they have something in store for him also. Cause I feel like, you know, the sky's the limit really with him. Um, and, you know, from where he was after, you know, his WWE run to where he is now is like night and day. Um, so I could see with, you know, the right storyline, you know, big bill eventually getting over huge in AEW, no pun intended. I also wanted to mention, like, I could totally see Swerve winning the belt here um, next week against Orange. Being the one to finally take it off him? Yeah, yeah, I could see that. Because I feel like whoever beats Orange, you know, needs to really, you know, be propelled by that victory. And at this point, they've really built up, you know, this belt and, like, you know, Orange's run to, like, you know, legendary status. Like, what is he, like, 23-0? O? currently? Something like that, yeah. Yeah, so, like, you know, Orange... You know, whoever takes this belt from Orange is gonna be getting a huge rub, and I feel like you know, this you know, along with, you know, all the character work that Swerve has been doing will really propel him into that, like, you know, upper mid-card level. So, I mean, it'd be a great way to make Swerve now. Uh, So, I'm hoping... You know, I love what Orange has been doing. I I hate to see, like, the run go the wayside. But at the same time, if it's in the name of, you know, bringing Swerve to the next level, then fuck yeah, let's do it. Well, it's not going to hurt Orange at all. No, You know, like. (laughs) No, and at this point, like, you're just kind of like, you know, waiting on the edge of your seat for him to Mm. actually lose. (laughs) And like, you know, when they first introduced the whole Battle royal you know, idea for, you know, him defending the title at the pay per view, I was like, oh well, he's not gonna lose the belt, you know, in a battle royal. Mm -hmm. But then like I don't know, man, just through good booking, you know, of the match, like I really was like, Holy shit, like is he gonna he's about to lose this belt in a battle royal? (laughs) So um yeah, no, I mean him and you know, Swerve and Orange both had great chemistry in the ring and everything and I love the finish. Um, You know, and Swerve fucking sold the hell out of that. Like, watch that back. Like, when Orange does the little kick and everything, Swerve goes through all these fucking hand gestures, like, (laughs) totally, like, Looney Tunes style, like, trying Uh to reach out for the ropes and grab it. It
0: was hysterical to watch back. So, just, you know, good shit. I mean, I don't want to harp on it too long, but... As long if he does win the title, as long as it's not like a Wardlow situation where he just starts disappearing from TV and we don't see him in you know weekly matches the same way that we saw Orange, then it's fine. Then I'll be happy with that. But it's just like I don't know what happened there with the TNT title, but I just don't want to see that happen here with the um, IC belt. No, I agree 100 percent. And hopefully like Tony's learned his
1: lesson mm. from like the Wardlow like debacle because um, it really hurt. Wardlow's momentum and really hurt that belt. Um, But, you know, you could totally use this title win to propel, you know, swerve finally into a match against Keith Lee. Uh, I think that would really like heat up, you know, that title picture. Um, you know, cause I mean, I think Ke Keith Lee would be a great, you know, international champion or whatever the fuck they're calling yes, it. Yes. <laughs> but honestly, like in my mind right now, I hold like the international title, you know, in higher regard than the, uh, TNT belt.
0: I mean, it's definitely being booked higher. That's for sure. No,
1: absolutely. Because it's, I mean, it's the, an ongoing like storyline that mm. we see week after week. So um there's just a whole lot more intrigue you know
0: revolving around that belt right um now. after that we had Chris a Stat video Landers package road highlight. to recovery um after winning the TBS title at double or nothing
1: this was great and you know once again like when AW like actually like focuses and takes their time to do these video packages they're usually home runs and this wasn't any different um this really like you know put over her road to recovery and how big this title win really was and it was great on the pay-per-view um you know i i the day before the show i believe there was an interview where like jade mentioned chris And, like, said something like, you know, she's made out of glass or something like that. So I kind of had a feeling something was up and that, you know, Chris could be possibly making a comeback soon. But I didn't think it was going to be, like, you know, getting a title shot at the pay-per-view and everything like that. And even though it was kind of like a Money in the Bank cash-in, you (laughs) know. The way they nah. did it, um, I didn't feel like it was cheap or anything like that. Like, it, it felt like a big deal. And, like, it was like the one time the crowd was actually, like, all in unison up on their feet. You know, it was one of the but biggest things. Yes, because I will say, like, the time. one thing I do feel like really hurt Double or Nothing was just, I don't know, just like the crowd felt dead. Because I don't know, like, I, I will say, like, I felt like the crowd just really hurt you know, the pay-per-view overall. Um, AEW usually has these like ruckus, you know, crowds, especially at like pay-per-views, but this was very much like a WWE raw audience where, you know, they popped when they were supposed to like for big moments, but like they weren't like incredibly hot, but comparably speaking, you know, to a standard AEW pay-per-view audience, they weren't nearly as
0: hot as you know, your typical audience. Gotcha. Now on the stage, Renee welcomed the acclaimed and daddy ass.
1: Yeah, I mean this was basically the acclaim licking their wounds and, you know, asking for a rematch. Um so this felt a little weird. Like I felt like they were almost teasing, perhaps turning on Billy, which would be I don't know, out of nowhere. Billy came out and he apologized, you know, for costing the team the win. But the team, you know, uh, the acclaimed were basically like, it's not your fault. You know, we were super hot before this match, you know, and you deserve to have like one final, like, title reign. Um, So it it seems like they're re challenging the House of Black, um, or they're going to earn their way back at least, um, and, you know, perhaps get another title shot, you know, in the near future. Um, But I, I don't know, the way they're phrasing everything, it just made me feel like they're teasing, you know, the acclaim turning on Billy. Um, I could be reading into things. I hope that's not the case because, like I said before, like, they're one of their hottest acts. Mm -hmm. So, um, maybe this is a way to kind of, like, write off Billy, you know? Like, maybe he feels like, oh, well, you know, I can't compete at your level anymore, so it's time for me to, like, hang up you know, the boots, I don't know. Or, I don't know, maybe I'm reading to things and this is just more of a storyline to, like, you know, Billy capturing gold one last time. Um, Which I could definitely see that being the case, but you'll eventually watch this promo, Christian. Like, you'll get the same vibe, too. They were definitely trying to tease something, but that Hmm. might just be, like, Tony Khan like playing 4D chess and, you know, just trying to tease us. um, You know, keep us on the edge of our seats.
0: Like, if anyone was going to turn, I would imagine Billy would turn before the actual acclaimed right now. Right, you but know? like,
1: the only way I could see that happening, is if, if this was like a program with like the ass boys, but since uh, they're not involved, I like Billy's not going to join the House of Black, right? <laughs> so You would
0: hope not. Could you imagine a goth ass
1: boy? Uh-huh. Like, could you imagine like a goth, like fucking ass band? I mean, that'd be
0: pretty awesome, but no. Like, I don't want to see Billy <laughs> an eyeliner. After this, we had Don Callis come out to explain his actions. Holy
1: shit, was this amazing. The crowd almost booed Callis out of the building. Like, it was very akin to, like, you remember when Roman beat The Undertaker at uh-huh. WrestleMania? Like, the night after on Raw, like, they, like, the audience wouldn't let Roman speak. It was very much like that. Like they booed through the entire fucking promo, um, you know. Calis, you know, did his you know usual spiel and everything like that, blaming everything on Kenny, um, and put over Takashia. A lot of people were speculating whether or, a lot of people were speculating whether or not Takashia would become like part of like the Blackpool Combat Club. Um, and I still feel like he's probably going to team up with them against the elite. Um, especially since now he's got this, you know, built in feud with Kenny. Um, but it, 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 from, for me, it sounded like Callis was going to be starting his own sort of stable or family. If you will, Hmm.
0: I don't know who else he would have joined it right now. I have no, as far as the roster goes,
1: no clue. Um, you know, maybe it's someone from new Japan, you know, that they're going to bring over. Um, but I mean, they, I could see them like. Putting cows with some like young and upcoming talent, you know, to get them over, and really like AEW has tons of wrestlers on the roster that match that description.
0: Um, after this, we had a highlight video for the TNT title ladder match. oh uh, this was another match on the pay per view that I thought delivered. You know, I forgot yeah, to mention just, it.
1: Like, I mean, except for that broken ladder, but you know, and, beyond that, but <laughs> it's one spot though, and that shit happens yes. in ladder matches all the time. So it is what it is. I mean, I I thought this. This match did a great job of really highlighting just how like athletically gifted Wardlow is. Um, so I don't know. I I thought this match was fine.
0: I was surprised the lack of involvement Luchasaurus had in it, though.
1: Well, I mean, he was nursing his uh his thumb. So.
0: Well, yeah. <laughs> you no.
1: Know. Uh, they did set up a challenge though, because this wasn't just a highlight package. I I do believe there was a promo. Um, after the package with Wardlow and Arn Anderson, um, and it is basically Wardlow challenging Luchasaurus. Gotcha. So, I mean, that match is definitely on the horizon. I believe that happened here, unless that happened later on in the night.
0: After this, we had Orange Cassidy and Darby Allen defeating the Gates of Agony. I don't know what this is about. I don't know why they have Orange
1: teaming up with Darby so much lately. Um, they've been making the house show loop too. Um, hmm. like I mean. Are they going to be getting some kind of like, like tag title match in the
0: future? I doubt it. Because, um, you know, they they always keep Darby away from the tag titles for some reason. Yeah, but that's when he's with Sting. Oh. So um, it's just a weird pairing. Um,
1: a lot of people are into this, but it just, I don't know, it's just not doing anything for me. Um, especially since like, you know, orange has his own thing going on, but maybe if orange is dropping the belt soon, like this is the direction they're going to head in with orange. Hmm. Um, but it is weird. Cause you have a babyface team holding those belts right now. Yeah. So I, I don't get what direction they're going into. Uh, sting came out after this match, um, to chase off the, uh, the mogul embassy or whatever the hell they're calling them right now. Uh, Swerve came out and, you know, stared down orange, you know, to set up their match next week. Uh, Tony Schiavone put Sting over huge (laughs) when he came out and lost his fucking mind. Uh, Like it was like WCW 1997 all over again. (laughs) It was pretty hysterical. But, you know, this might be Sting's last. So maybe this was just like Schiavone's way of pulling out all the bells and whistles for Sting, you know, on his last run.
0: We had a quick highlight video for MJF after, you know, successfully defending his AEW world title. This is your
1: typical standard, you know, Dynamite after the pay-per-view promo from MJF. I feel like they've done this the last, you know, couple of title matches he's had. So just Barry,
0: you know, the guys he wrestled against and oh. put himself over, you know, <laughs> nothing really groundbreaking here. But nothing that like lays down a clear direction for who would
1: be next? No, not at all. Okay. Not at all. Just him putting himself over and, you know, the fact that, you know, he beat Darby with a headlock takeover. Um, you know, and honestly, like after that match, and that I did think that match delivered, I thought it was great. Um, I, after that match, I thought maybe they would be moving in a direction where we would see Darby getting a solo title shot against MJF. Um, but you know, that didn't
0: seem like the case, uh, you know, from the show, but who knows. Well, since they're, you know, continuing to hold on to the whole headlock takeover thing, my assumption is, is maybe they want Darby to be the one that takes it off of him in like a year or With something. With the headlock
1: takeover, right? Yes.
0: That, like, that's how he's got to beat him, right? Like, that eventually uh-huh. has
1: to fucking happen. I just don't think it's going to be happening anytime soon. Yes. Um But, yeah, I don't know. Uh, it, it, a lot of people are saying that it looks like Adam Cole is in line for the next title shot. Oh, okay. Or at least that's the rumors going around. I don't know how I feel about that, but we'll talk about that more later on.
0: Tony Schiavone then brings out Hook. And you know what? I accidentally skipped over the Outcast promo, uh, from the backstage with Renee. But uh before. It, it wasn't anything big. I mean Oh, okay.
1: It's just your typical <laughs> gloating from the heels.
0: But I was actually a little disappointed that Chris Statlander is probably not gonna be a part of their angle at all when it seems like she's like the perfect homegrown talent, uh, to go up against them.
1: Just because she's not part of it right now doesn't mean she won't be down the line though. I guess. I mean, I I figured she was going to redebut against Jade. So, cuz that's where they're really headed with her before mm-hmm. she got injured. So I just felt like it made sense. Um, but yeah, like I said, like I could see Jade joining that storyline now, mm-hmm. you know, since she's freed up. So hopefully that's the case cuz I do feel like it's time to do something different with Jade. But back to Statlander, I mean, she does have like a built-in feud with Ruby. Like I could see Ruby going after mm-hmm. her. Especially with Ruby kind of pinpointing when she first turned, um, that that's when she realized that the AEW crowd wasn't behind her. You know her match in the uh, Owen Hub, her match in the uh, Owen Hart Cup against Statlander. You know where the crowd was a hundred percent behind Statlander, yeah. and booing Ruby out of the building.
0: But with that said, it brings us to our main event, which was Adam Cole and Britt Baker versus Jericho and Soraya.
1: Yeah, Hook's about to speak and then LFI uh come out for some reason and jump him, which brings out Jungle Boy, who clears the ring with the chair. Jungle Hook reunites. Um, I kept on expecting Jungle Boy to flatten uh
0: <laughs> with the chair
1: because he didn't put the chair down the entire time. Hmm. So I felt like that was on purpose, kind of like teasing, you know, you know, a possible heel turn from Jungle Boy because I don't know, like, even though, like, they didn't have him pull the trigger out the pay-per-view, it definitely feels like that's what's in the cards for Jungle Boy. Like, we're going to see, you know, some kind of turn happening sooner than later. And if they do it, I hope they go all the way. You know, it's not this kind of, like, you know, torn type deal where he's, like, cheating to win, but, like, he's reluctant. Like, I want him to go
0: full heel i mean hell i wouldn't even mind like a tag team run with mjf if they were trying to do something with it
1: yeah and that felt like the direction that they were going to head in before mm-hmm. you know the pay-per-view but and like it that still might be the case but like as of right now it feels like if he's gonna turn it's gonna turn against hook but maybe he ends up aligning himself with mjf who knows
0: uh after this we had chris stallioner defeating nyla rose for the
1: tbs title this was a solid match. Um, Nyla Rose seems to always be in this role nowadays where like she's the first person to get a title shot, yes. <laughs> you know, for a new champion. Um you know, it's very much like the Lance Archer, you know, role. Uh uh-huh. um, but she's great at it. Like this was a strong match that really put over Statlander as, you know, our new TBS champion. She's back and she's ready to go um after a really like difficult you know, injury to rehab from. Um and this is the second time she's had to like rehab that injury. Um on the other leg, mind you. Uh so like that the, that's why she's got the double knee braces on nowadays. Mm-hmm. Um but yeah, no, I thought this was a really solid match and hopefully the start of a great run. During the match too, they had Taya Valkyrie uh looking on. Um my guess is like Taya's probably gonna end up challenging you know, Chris for that title sooner than later. So I thought this was a really fun match. Um, and I, it really helped kind of redeem this feud after just a lackluster performance at the pay pay-per-view. Um, and I, I don't think it was either of the wrestlers fault. I think it was just kind of like the way the match was built just didn't really click. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, like, just the whole fucking ref stoppage in an unsanctioned match doesn't make any sense to me whatsoever. The The finish came out of nowhere. I get that they probably didn't want, like, blood in the match because of, you know, the main event. Um, But at the same time, like, when I'm visually seeing someone get hit in the head with a fucking chain. In AEW at this point, I've been kind of conditioned to, you know, expect blood. So it was yeah. a little weird not seeing that. Um, I mean, Cole legitimately gave Jericho a black eye, but like, but on the other side of the spectrum, like you haven't conditioned us whatsoever to ref stoppages, you know, in this promotion. So for one to come out of nowhere just felt weird. Um, And just, I don't know, it, the match just had too much Gaga up front and then. The, you know working with the, like a chain or a dog collar is always hard to do, and it just felt like they were really like struggling with it, like you know Cole wrapping it around his knee and everything like mm-hmm. that It never quite worked so um I thought this tag match though um on dynamite really was a great like palette cleanser, if you will um and you know. I was really, really happy to see Cole like go over Jericho again. Um, cause I was expecting, oh, they're setting up, you know, Jericho winning here to continue yeah. this feud, but that was not the case. Fucking Cole and Britt, you know, went over clean. They had some great spots between, uh, Britt and Jericho. Uh, Britt actually put Jericho in the lockjaw at one point and he sold the shit out of it. <laughs> um, yeah, you know, and I'll get I'd like that was one highlight from the pay per view was Brit like attacking Jericho with the kendo stick, because um, she beat the shit out of him. At one point, the Outcasts tried to get involved, but then Sheeta came out and chased them away with the uh, the kendo stick, once again kind of establishing her relationship and loyalty to Britt, um, which I'm guessing they're going to have to lean into now that Jamie seems to be on the shelf for a little bit. Um, but yeah. Um, You know, like I said, Cole gets the win here. Uh, Britt and, you know, Cole are left standing tall. Jericho sulks off. But yeah, I really don't know what they have in store, you know, for Jericho and Cole at this point. Um, I'm guessing that they're both going to move on. Jericho is on a big losing streak. Like he's lost three major matches in a row now. Jericho is on a losing streak. Um, He's lost three major matches in a row now. So I'm wondering if that's going to be kind of the storyline moving forward with Jericho, like him trying to get like his mojo back, if you will. Um, Soraya and Britt will just, you know, continue their feud with, you know, the whole outcast storyline. Yeah. So um, and I'm fine with that. Like, I don't need to see Britt and Cole together all the time. So but, you know, I mentioned it before, but it, it sounds like Cole might be next in line for a title shot. Um, at least that's what the rumor is. Um, apparently, they did cut some kind of promo with Britt on uh, Dynamite a couple weeks ago, um, but then it just didn't make error where she kind of teased Cole going after the title because um, hmm. they realized that maybe it's too soon. Because I do feel like it's a little too soon for Cole to be getting a title shot.
0: Well, he's only had one feud since coming back. Exactly. And only a handful of matches, mm-hmm. right?
1: This was his third match on Dynamite. Yeah. So, um, I feel like there's, he needs more time to kind of like marinate and, you know, build him up, you know, especially in this
0: new, like baby face role. So you don't want to pull the trigger too soon. Well, um, you know, he'll have a gauntlet to go against when he goes after MJF, I I'm sure. fucking hope not. <laughs> <laughs> they
1: stayed away from the gauntlet this time around, uh, but they did have a tournament, right? Uh, so. A little one. <laughs> um but yeah no overall i thought this was a great dynamite um you know some people were you know saying it was a huge rebound you know for for the company after uh a lackluster pay-per-view i still stand my ground and say the pay-per-view was fine you know yeah it wasn't great but it was still good so I, i feel like that's just overstating it like this was just a very good dynamite um but i look forward to see you know where everything's headed in the future i mean we've got forbidden door this month which i totally fucking forgot yeah. about so i'm i'm sure we're going to be you know booking towards that now um, so I wouldn't be surprised if we don't see more like New Japan talents um, on AEW Dynamite sooner than later. And I'm guessing that um, plays
0: into Omega a little bit more than if he's bringing in allies from New Japan.
1: Yeah. Um, Dominion is, I believe, this week. So okay. I would expect that, you know, Kenny makes some kind of appearance like recruiting on that show and probably setting up some kind of match for him in New Japan mm-hmm. in the future. Um so but yeah you know i'm sure that we're gonna see you know obushi or you know okada you know on dynamite um and you know do they do blood and guts at uh the forbidden door because that's usually a tv event um but maybe you know they feel like it's a huge match and they want that that's what i was gonna say it could be
0: a big draw for the pay-per-view though so
1: could be it could be um I guess we'll just have to wait and see. Well, that does it
0: for this week. As a friendly reminder, make sure to follow us on your favorite podcast platform and while you're there, leave a five-star review. It really helps new listeners to find the podcast and for us to continue to grow. Also, if you like the stories from this week's episode and want to keep up to date with the show, follow us on social media at Amazing Nerd Show or stop by TheAmazingNerdShow.com. And hey, to support the show further and get additional weekly content, you can subscribe to us now on Patreon. Just follow the link in the show notes. Also, if you want to rep some nerd show swag, you can head over to tpublic.com to find t-shirts, hoodies, stickers, and more. And
1: if you post what you bought and tag us on social media, we'll send you some additional nerd show swag as long as you live in the United States. All right, make sure to join us next week as we talk all
0: the latest news and rumors in nerd culture and whatever's going on in the world of wrestling. My name's Christian. And my name's David. And that was The Amazing Nerd Show. we can get a picture of Julia Roberts in a thong, we can certainly get a picture of this weirdo. Put an ad on the front page, cash money for a picture of Spider-Man. He doesn't want to be famous, and I'll make him infamous.